listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 138, Emperor's New Groove. Huh. Yeah, it's all coming together. Cronk out. There are despots and dictators, political manipulators. For more information about this or any other episode of the Animation Addicts Podcast, Make sure to check out rotoscopers.com. That's where you can find the community as well as all the news and reviews of the animation world. He was born and raised to do no one has ever been this cool in a thousand years of aristocracy. Hey, everybody. I'm back, America. Welcome, welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers Plus One. My name is Mason, and this is our um, super special episode for the Emperor's New Groove. First of all, you can tell that I've been gone for a while, so I'm a little rusty. But uh, we are the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. And I'm here with my lovely co-host, Chelsea Robson. Howdy ho. And a super special guest. You might have seen his likeness in a previous episode, but you haven't seen exactly this guy. Mr. Tony Bancroft from the Bancroft Brothers Animation Podcast. Hey, yo. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I love being a rotoscoper. Or am I an animation addict? I don't know the difference. You are both. Today, They're one and the same. You're both. Are they? Okay. So you're just trying to get the... You're trying to get the copyright to one, so you have to use both. Right, right. <laughs> you're one of us. You're one yeah. of us. All right, so uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. If this is your first time, then um, you're in for one heck of a ride, so strap yourself in. Basically, you can picture us as three of your nerdiest, most animation-lovingest friends talking about what we love about animation and the films that we love. And, um, you know, like we're just like sitting on the couch talking about geeking out about stuff. And we, we occasionally go on tangents. More yeah. than occasionally, actually, now that I'm back. Do we, yeah, chocolate um, too? Do we eat chocolate in between, too? I have coffee, so I just need a little chocolate to chew. Coffee with. works. I'm, I'm here with my Contigo because I started my New Year's resolution of staying hydrated, uh, getting up earlier, and working out. So um, we'll oh, see how that good. goes. I was wondering yeah. what changed about you. You look great. <laughs> yeah, no. And yet we did um, that. <laughs> I am so thrilled to have you on, Tony. And like I said before we went live, um, I might get a little nervous, uh, like I did with Chad Lewis, because like you get like the big, the, the, the big time people, and I'm just like, oh, I'm a little scared. But no, um, it is scary. I'm I'm scared. I'm <laughs> scared. You and Chelsea, I've heard so much about you guys. I'm a scary person, so um, that too. So anyway, uh, like I said, we're going to be discussing the Emperor's New Groove by uh, Disney anim- uh, Animation, and uh, I think this episode, just this movie has been a long time coming because we've gotten tons of requests for the Emperor's New Grooves over the five years that we've done the podcast. Really? Yeah. Lots. Yeah. Yes. This is one of those that I, we continuously get people. They're like, hey, why haven't you done Emperor's New Groove? Hey, when are you doing Emperor's New Groove? So are you doing Emperor's New Groove? Yes. yes. Like, uh, yes. Today is the day. We're finally here. Oh, I got to say, I mean, I, it was one of the most <laughs> uh, fun productions I ever worked on at Disney. And uh, it was one of those films where we all thought, you know, what's going to happen with this crazy, weird film? Oh, a cat just came in. Shut the door. The cat's getting in. Oh, no. My dog will hear your cat and go crazy. (laughs) No. No, it was behind you, actually. Um, But, yeah, Emperor's New Groove was one of those things where I just was so privileged to work on it because it was not like anything else. You know, it's like it's like when you look at all your kids and you're like, 
Where did that little African-American one come? It's like the postman brought Emperor's New Groove to the doorstep <laughs> of Disney Future Animation. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? It's like, it's yeah. like barring... Okay, I can see that how parts of Hercules resemble the the sense of timing and the 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 stylistic elements that are in Emperor's New Groove, but it's nothing like anything that we had seen before in Disney feature animation. No, it's more like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, I mean that was yeah. kind of our goal. <gasps> how dare you, Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers, how do you say Unworthy. that? Unworthy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it almost it almost I, I'm sure a lot of our viewers know this because we've been hinting at um at this. Kingdom of the Sun, but it almost wasn't like it was in the final product. It was almost at one time it was completely different from what we know it as today. That's right. That's right. And if you've seen the Sweatbox, if anybody out there has seen that documentary done by Sting, Sting's wife Trudy, um, then you know the backstory of what actually happened. But it was a huge journey. Yeah. At what point in time did you come in? During this process, I came in right. So I watched the Sweatbox last night. Oh, you did. So you did. So. Yeah, and, because and you saw me I, in there, I love right? the sweatbox. It's one of those things that it's like, you know, it always gets taken down. But bless those devoted Disney fans who always put it back up. Disney, Disney, <laughs> don't you know the more star, the more you tighten your grip on the star, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Yeah, I highly recommend everybody uh, checking that out if you can find it online. Go see the sweatbox because it's the backstory of how uh, Kingdom Under the Sun or Kingdom in the Sun. There was two different titles at one time. Um, wow. How that evolved to be the Emperor's New Groove. Totally different story. It was more like the old film and version that Roger Aller started. He was one of the co-directors on The Lion King. And he was the one that really started that project, uh, King, uh, Kingdom Under the Sun. It was really, it was like, I remember seeing the screening of it and thinking, wow, this is almost exactly like if you took Prince and the Popper and um, Aladdin and fused them together. There was Ooh. nothing original about it. It it just felt. I mean, yeah, it might sound like okay, that, well, that could be interesting, but it was just so unoriginal. Everybody, when we saw the screening, was like, "Really, this is the next feature that Disney's doing?" And Roger Aller's coming off of the Lion King is doing this. Yeah, we were all very disappointed after that first screening. And then can't be pigs with pigs after. Yeah. Oh, I wish. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, and. It's like, I know that a lot of us are wondering, hmm, I wonder what might have happened, you know, if they had actually gone through with it and made it. But but do we not have a, a total gem in the Emperor's New Groove and how it turned out? Like, I don't, I can't think, okay, besides Robin Hood, which is like, for personal subjective reasons, I can't think of a more universally acclaimed, like, funniest Disney animated feature. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, that's go ahead, Chelsea. Yeah. Baymax was funny, but this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with that. I mean, I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't think there is a more quoted movie outside the quotes. of. Well, I mean, there's just so many quotes, and I've I've quoted this movie more and more times. And as I watched it again last night, I was like, I will continue to quote this even more now that I have them fresh in my head. What's your favorite? Like, what's your favorite so qu many... quote, Chelsea? My favorite quote is definitely okay. This because it always comes to my head. <laughs> Every time I go shopping, I, you know, pass the ice cream aisle and, you know, that that exact scene where the angels pop up, where the, you know, the devil, the, <laughs> the angel says, um, you sh definitely should not buy that ice cream. Then you would eat it. And then the devil says, exactly. Plus, I can do this. <laughs> angel, he's got a point. <laughs> that's, 
that's what does that have to do? every single time that's the thing that goes through my head around ice cream so obviously it's a lot oh and yeah. in the chat here we've got oh, my spinach puffs <laughs> that's a good that's one that's a great one oh yeah Charlie, please send us your true. send us your send us your quotes yeah. in the chat y'all no wait he's got a point that's what Haley says and Charmy Sketches says, my spinach puffs. Those are classic, yeah, those are classic cronk lines, right? We're not going to have uh, time for this. Dance- they're all cronk lines. <laughs> to answer your question, though, Chelsea, from earlier, when did I come onto the film? It was after the change. So after mm-hmm. uh, Roger Allers got fired, and they, ah. if you've seen the Sweatbox, they cut out seven songs that Sting had already done and finalized and kind of started songs. <laughs> And I think to, to... Yeah, it was... A- I think to what you were saying, Mason, I think that what made this a gym, what made this stand out and what made it unique is that we had so little time by the time that change happened and we got Mark Dindle came on as the new full-time director. Um, we had to keep a lot of the production design, a lot of the character designs, a lot of the characters. Some of them morphed a little bit and there was only one new character that was added and that was um, uh, a, a Kronk. But the rest of the characters were there in some other form and had the same names and everything. Um, but and they brought in Patrick Warburton and stuff. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into how I first heard the voice and first heard about the character in a minute. But it was like but once they made that change, there was only like eight men, eight months left in the production. So we had to jam this whole new movie out. Do all the animation, all the cleanup, all the characters, you know, everything had to be done like in eight months. So there was no time for uh, executives to get in there and muck it up and scrutinize it. It was, that's what made it fresh and unique, I think. So this, you had just directed Mulan after this. And so you've already taken the, yeah, right. Before this in 98, you directed Mulan, which I, I heart Mulan. I really do. Um, that's for a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the it came right after that. So I wanted. I just had a question. As a former director, what are some of the things that you kind of saw in that changeover or different things that, like, what kind of lessons did you learn from this whole experience? Well, I I remember seeing, um, and this was actually towards the the end of the production of Emperor's New Groove. By the time the the documentary, the Sweatbox, was done. I remember mm-hmm. going to a first screening of that. They screened it for the staff first. Uh, and, and pretty soon after that, shut the whole thing down. I mean, it never saw the right day again. But we did have a, a screening for the, the animation folks. And I remember feeling really sad for um, for Roger Allers. I mean, it, it kind of sets it up in the movie and stuff. And you see him, like, walking right. walking on the beach, you know, on the coast. And the, the waves are hitting <laughs> his feet. And he's, like, melancholy. You know, it's very heavy, <laughs> heavy drama there. But... You know, having gone through the directing process and the ups and downs and the roller coasters of it all, I I really fell for him because every film, really every Disney film has gone through a process like that. We just don't see it. They don't do a documentary about every single one. Emperor's New Groove was not unique. The only thing that was truly unique about it was that they practically started over. But a lot of them have pretty much started over. I mean, Tangled was a different movie. You've heard the story about that. Absolutely. There's been a ton of them, you know, a ton of them that have uh, frozen is another good, good example that went through so many iterations and changes over the years and have been in development for 10 years and things like that. Actually, the emperor's new groove was, was fast in comparison to some of those. Um, So yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was definitely a different film back then though. 
Yeah, that's interesting how you say that, that this this process of this iterative process of of the production of of getting the story right and and going and like the executives uh, and pleasing everyone, I guess, in the production pipeline, I guess. Um, it's interesting that you say it's not unique to the Emperor's New Groove. I guess it just really meant something to Sting and his wife, so they decided to make the documentary. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, what was it like? Like, so you were in a directorial position with Mulan, and then I, I think you were you were supervising animator for one of the characters for this Boba. film, right? Oh uh, yeah, Kronk. I did Kronk for Kronk. So, um, what was it like? Kind of, I don't know. Do you? Do y'all in the animation industry consider that like stepping down or do you just like gain a do you have like a different perspective as an animator being a director? Or how did that change your experience or did it? Well, I mean, for me, the whole uh, this is my backstory of how I came to the movie is that um, and it's a good question because a lot of people do, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, is that a step down going back in animation? I guess I didn't really think of it that way. Your hair looks great, Mason. It looks wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a, I'm a preener. Just ignore the preening. Your hair, <laughs> yeah, look, your yeah. hair looks great, too. Back Right back I, I don't know if you forgot that your camera's on, but it still is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I came off of uh, uh, Mulan, and I was up in development for like six months. And I was developing ideas, and I thought, I'm going to pitch you know, the next big Disney film. And I was trying to... They just said, go upstairs into development. They gave me an office, and you know, come up with ideas, no hurry, you know. And so after six months, I had, I pitched to Tom Schumacher, who was then the VP of uh, development. I pitched him, hey, what if we did uh, a superhero movie? And I really wanted to do, a, I was came from comic books, my brother and I. So I wanted to do a superhero movie. And I pitched Peter Schneider, the president of animation, the whole concept of like Spider-Man and how he, you know, had this great feeling of responsibility because his, he could have saved his uncle. And so with great power comes great. And, I, you know, the the whole theme mm-hmm. of what Spider-Man is about, because he was like, super, you know, superheroes, they're just so one-sided. This is way before Disney even considered buying Marvel. Yeah. And I was pitching the idea of you, Disney should create their own superhero and do it. And this is also way before The Incredibles. And sure enough, they turned it down and they were like, no, we already did our superhero movie. It was called Hercules and it didn't do well. And uh, so they were dead set against that idea. And of course, Brad Bird did The Incredibles and did it really well later on. Um, And then I pitched the idea of Puss in Boots. And I said, I love the story of Puss in Boots and what a great visual, you know, this cat in boots. And and I was going to do it as like a a sword um, swashbuckler movie. I thought it would be really fun and have a lot of action adventure to it. and, and this is, again, way before Shrek, way before DreamWorks did anything with Puss in Boots. And Tom Schumacher just said, no, Disney can never do a, 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 a title like that. It's too X-rated, you know? And I'm like, what? <laughs> DreamWorks could. Uh, yeah. DreamWorks, <laughs> DreamWorks can. DreamWorks would happily do it. Yeah. And I said, you know, we'll put a poster. We'll put a poster out there and it'll be a cat in boots. What are people going to think? They're going to think it's about a cat in boots, you know? Um, but yeah, they just they just couldn't consider it at the Man. time, and so then later DreamWorks did that, and then I pitched uh, an Irish folktale. I really wanted to do something Irish and with Irish did music and things like that, and then later they turned that down too. I was going to do something with giants, and of course now they're doing a giant movie. Um, so yeah, um, nothing was really working out for me, and I could tell by the landscape of where things were going that. Nothing was getting greenlit at the time. Now, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a crystal ball to see what was going to happen next, but this is right before all the layoffs and the change of, 
everything going from 2D animation into CG animation um, with, you know, Pixar and everything. So this was, it was a very volatile time, a very uh, slow period where they were trying to figure out what's next and where they were going to go as a, mm-hmm. as a studio. Yeah. So instead of sitting up there for another couple years, just pitching ideas and being turned down constantly, I said, I, I really miss animating. I really want to go back in at the animation trenches. Is there characters I can work on in, in something that's currently in production? And Tom Schumacher said, that's great. Okay. I think he was tired of me, tired <laughs> of me pitching these ideas. So <laughs> he said, yeah, okay. So there's, uh, there's uh, Treasure Planet. We have this character named Morph. You know, I, I had always done comedy characters. So they're like, well, there's a comedy character named Morph in Treasure Planet. And he's this character that can literally morph and change into things. He's pantomime. So that might be fun. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then, then they said, and on this new film, Emperor's New Groove, it's just been changed. And we have a brand new character on there. There's nobody up for it. And his name's Kronk. And he's kind of this big, dumb guy. And <laughs> at first, I was not really attracted to that. Morph seemed like the better character. I thought pantomime. And it would be fun to see, you know, animation-wise, to see it change into things. And it was a bigger character at the time in the screenings. Uh, and Treasure Planet was, like, going. Emperor's New Groove was still, like, coming out of the transition. They were reworking everything in storyboards. So I said, well, let me hear the voice for Kronk. And then they played it for me. And they said, oh, it's Put- it's Putty. He's Putty from Putty. from uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Oh, that's I said, right. I said, oh, that big guy. Oh, I love that guy. Putty, yeah. And and I heard they had done, I think, one recording session with him or something as a tryout. And I just fell in love with it when I heard his, you know, day big, got a low voice like that. I just, oh, my God. Hey, Peter. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, Mason and I are going to have a cronk off here real soon. I think I know who's going to um, win. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a nasally problem right now, so you may you may sound more cronk like. Well, I'm naturally nasy, so it just it, <laughs> the handicaps just might balance out. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, why even hold it off? Do you, do you guys in the chat want to see a cronk off between uh, the, the, the man of 100 uh, v- v- animation impressions? Which is, is me? You? Yes, oh. it's me. <laughs> that's that's what I'm known on the internet for. It's uh, my claim to fame. For the one. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, let's. All right. Who? Well, why, let's, let's do the crunk what, off then. What? What better time the crunk off? Let's uh, let's start it. Okay, so how do we? Uh, this is impromptu. How do we do this? I guess here's what we're gonna we do. Have to do. We're a gonna quote? have each one of you take a a quote. Uh, your favorite top five quotes. Um, and then I will be the judge as far as who is the better, All right. better cronk in this group. Better cronk. Huh? Right? I think I think you should decide, and I think the people in the chat should decide. Okay. Yeah, people get so people are getting hyped for it. Okay, um, I will give the first move advantage to Tony. All right, here we go. All right, the poison, the poison for Cusco, the poison chosen especially to kill Cusco. That poison, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. <laughs> That was a great one. That was really good. All right. Okay. That was really good. Oh, I sometimes I lead in with other voices, so um let's okay. see. Um <laughs> Stop stalling. How do I how do I how do I do? Okay, here we go. Well, in my defense, all your poisons look the same. Might want to think about relabeling some of them. That's a good one. All right. Well, let's let's do multiple ones and we'll start we'll let's do multiple ones and the people in the chat will 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 decide. 
Yeah. I think Tony has a little bit of a of an advantage here just because he's heard this so many yeah, times. Yeah. And I'm old and I'm older and very musk and I'm very muscular too. That helps I think with the, <laughs> the diaphragm. It does. And my, and my voice sounds diaphragm. like this. Yeah, and you got that yeah, high squeaky thing. All right. Um I'll do I'll do the same line. Uh what was it? You just did. Um uh, in my defense all your poisons look the same. You might want to think about relabeling some of them. Okay. Well, in my defense, all your poisons do look quite alike. You might want to think about relabeling them. You know. <laughs> that last bit sounded spot on. Oh, oh no. Yeah. I won't have my groove thrown off. The people in the chat are are, are clearly favoring Tony. Uh, I got to knock you out with this one. <laughs> yeah, got to right, knock going. you out in the second round. Um, let's see. Um uh let's see oh i gotta look up i i'm getting all nervous i gotta go on to imdb and find the quotes <laughs> let's see um squeak uh, squeak squeaker oh okay we'll do that one. Oh, this little fellow's had a hard time apparently a talking llama gave him a load of crap back there i don't know the actual <laughs> quote squeakity uh, squeak squeaking apparently this little guy has had a hard time i think he's i think he's lonely for his mommy I don't know. Where is my acorn? Squeak, squeak it and squeak, squeak it. You have my acorn. You have my acorn. Oh, it's so you, good. You, you got to have a little bit Tony's of a... There's this. a bit of a rasp, a little there's bit like of a... A little breathy kind of thing. Oh, a little breathy. Yeah. I can't nail it. <laughs> I'm going down, folks. Think, all right, I'll give you one more chance. Mason. Okay, I got to find the mother of all... <laughs> Okay, here we go. Cronklands, here we go. Uh, I'll do a bonus, a bonus one. Ordering three pork combos, extra bacon on the side, two chili cheese samplers, a basket of liver and onion rings, catch of the day, steak cut in the shape of a trout. You got all that, honey? Three and quarter. Dig it. Three oinkers wearing pants, plate of hot air, basket of grandma's breakfast, and change the bowl to a gill. Got it. There you go. <laughs> if you can, if you can do there that one, go. I don't even know that line. It's so fast. It's it's hard to do. Uh... Oh Come yeah, fast. it's all he's coming al- together. He's always better when you when you kind of slow him down a little bit. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, hey, okay. Instead of instead of uh, fighting each other, let's do like they do in almost every episode of Dragon Ball Z and fight with each other against a co- common enemy. Um, I'll Chelsea, do the. Yeah. Do you want to do the? Um, <laughs> we could do the um, shoulder devil. Oh yeah, the devil and angel. Yeah, big. Okay. okay. Um, Are you looking see. at a script somewhere? Because I don't have that in front of me. Okay. All you have to do is um, say, "What does that have to do with anything?" When I do the um, reason number two, and then you do the uh, listen, you guys, you're kind of confusing me. So uh, be gone. Okay. Or uh, whatever. You know, whatever I have to get. All right. Or whatever <laughs> I gotta say. Okay. Listen yeah. up, big guy. I got three good reasons why you should just walk away. Number one. Look at that guy. He's got that sissy stringy music thing. We've been through this. It's a harp, and you know it. Oh, right. That's a harp, and that's a dress. Rome. Reason number two. Look what I could do. Ha <laughs> ha! Was and I supposed whining. to say something there? Yeah, oh, was I to do oh. anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I, what does that have to do with anything? No, no, he's got know. a point. <laughs> <laughs> I ruined my line. I, I don't know. I don't remember right. that line. It's funny. I animated that whole sequence. I you did every every single scene. Yeah. How did you help from not cracking up every five seconds? I, I loved I it. It was probably one of my best runs on any animated feature I ever did because I I purposely as supervising an animator, you can kind of pick and choose the scenes, and the director's like, yeah, 
we want you to do all of it. So go ahead and, you know, handpick stuff. Yeah. And so I did the, the poison, you know, uh, line that I did earlier. I did that animation when she, you know, all that scene. And then that, that devil and angel bit, I did that all, all the way through. So, scene. okay. So like the facial expressions when he's like, I'm going to take you down the path that rocks, you know, and he yeah. gets the, the mouth so perfect. <laughs> do, like, do you think that up or do the story artists think that up? Do y'all work together? Like, uh, you know, it's a little bit of both. The storyboard artist in that, in that case was Chris Williams, who's now become a director. And Chris had some oh, pretty yeah. funny poses. And I think he did have, uh, I think he had this kind of thing. Uh, I can't remember. But but things like robe, you know, and he does this gesture like robe. You know, I, I came up with that because it was totally different in the storyboards. So it's kind of a give and take. If there's a good expression or... And sometimes the director will say... Oh, I love this pose, uh, just how it is in the in the storyboard. So you're kind of you got this mandate to try and yeah. save that or hold on yeah, to that. Yeah. And then other times they're like, "Yeah, if you got any other ideas here, you know, this one doesn't really do much for me in the storyboard. So have fun, you know." That is awesome. What other sequences did you animate with Kronk? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, um, <laughs> this is a real popular one too. I know uh, where he's sneaking. He does his own soundtrack. <laughs> some guys yeah. walking by him like okay i'm I mean, so glad i was unconscious during all this that that was funny in the storyboards though i mean i i really give credit to the storyboard artists for that because it's it really was about just you know uh, patrick warburton's funny little thing and and then that pose of like I'm not here. You can't see me. <laughs> I, you know, as I was watching this, knowing that I was going to talk to you, even knowing, even not knowing that I was going to be talking to you, I think I still would have felt the same way. I always feel that when I watch this, that you did a, such a fantastic job of balancing the outrageousness of his personality with also the subtlety of the, the like certain movements. Mm, like the, yeah. this one is so, I, outrageous and subtle at the same time it was just fantastic yeah and some of that it was due to mark dindle was and we were talking about warner brothers earlier and that was a bigger influence right. chuck jones and things like that more than the disney classics so stylistically mark was pushing all the animators to go a lot more posy and and kind of hit things harder and and stay in poses and um so in, in some ways almost a more limited style as opposed to like you know slow ends and kind of you know, a lot of, you know, drifting movements and things like that, that traditional feature animation is usually known for. So it had a different style to it, which really lended itself well to Kronk and, uh, and his mm -hmm. humor style. Yeah, totally. Well, I love the sneaky sure. bit. And I think, I just think that everyone's favorite part of this, of this film is, um, is all the parts with, are all the parts with Kronk. But I think yeah. there's also something to be said about the relationship between Kronk and the villainess of the film, Yzma, because I don't really mm -hmm. consider Kronk a villain. Uh, he's more of a no. misguided henchman. Right. <laughs> but Yzma, is. she is outrageous. I think she's one of my favorite villains, like, you know, baddies of all time in Disney, not just, you know, villainesses. I don't know. She's hard. To, if she and Ursula had a fight or just like a really heated argument, I wonder who would yeah. come out as, as the winner. All right, it'd be fun to see Cruella Deville and and uh, and Isma. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that would like be fun. living proof see? that dinosaurs once roamed the earth. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, as I was watching the, 
as I was watching the sweat box, I was thinking, like, you know who the really, you know, the real victim of this was Eartha Kitt. The fact that she didn't get her villain song. Yeah. I was just like, man, this woman is fantastic. Snuff the yeah. light out. Yeah. 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 There was I a mean, whole it, thing that was animated and everything. It was it was done pretty much, you know, and they cut it. Uh, but it was a different design. And when and- Andreas Deja was the first animator on Yzma, you probably know. That's right. And um, Who totally else? different look, totally different look. And so mm-hmm. when they changed the direction of the movie and made it this kind of raucous, you know, silly comedy, the designs changed for a little bit. Almost all the designs changed subtly, but Yzma was a big Big change because uh, Andreas was so more of a she, fine did he artist. Stay on? You know? What's that? Yeah. Did he stay on what? for her or did he? No. Because it seemed like in it he was just like, oh, I'm not a fan of this whole way. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, he he chose to leave when Roger Allers left and the and the concept changed. For him, it was it was not the film that he was promised. It was not the film that he thought it was going to be, and he was not, yeah. he was not in, on board for it. I mean, I think most everybody else stayed on. No, there was a couple animators, actually, that ended up leaving. But there was also because there was like a, I don't know, a four to six month, probably four month to five month stop in production that uh-huh. animators didn't want to hang around. Like People like Andreas, who's a high-powered, high-paid animator, just practically mm-hmm. the studio wants to move him on to something else. So he ended up transitioning to, gosh, I don't know what he did right after that. Um but something where he was more active instead of sitting at his desk waiting for the change to happen. Sure. He went on to Lilo and Stitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. That was what came after that that I remember he was on. Yeah. <laughs> I personally love Yzma's um, final design. Yeah. Stick thin, angular, and I got to admit, like, <laughs> the saggy boobs are are amazing. <laughs> like, the super <laughs> low-hanging... Cle- uh, <laughs> cleavage and stuff and um it's just so nasty the part where she's taking like her beauty sleep and she's got the cucumber and she's like what <laughs> crunk's like oh this had better be good <laughs> but she has great lines too i'll she turn does. him into a flea yeah. a harmless little flea and then i'll put that flea in a box i'll put that box in a bigger box and then i'll mail that box to myself and when i get it i'll smash it with a hammer I'll or smash to save on, yeah i know it's, or to is... save on postage i'll just poison him with this <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. Good idea, Yzma. Oh, yeah. Krog, this is kind of important. Can't, <laughs> yeah. we, can't we have dessert? All right, we can have dessert. And a cup of coffee? All right, and a <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> I, yeah, I animated all that stuff, too. I remember. Oh, that was some of my first nice. scenes was was that, because they were really short. And coffee? I remember, I remember doing that <laughs> one. <laughs> Oh, I, one of my favorite moments is where, because um, like some of the some of the film and some of the comedy style is just so self aware and absurd. Like the part where um, they're like scheming at Cusco's house, and so to to like, I guess to like have a little huddle, they just get inside the jump rope game, and they're like doing the, the hand drive yeah. game while they're talking about what they're gonna do. Switch. Yeah, that's my- <laughs> Yeah, that was my favorite bit. I thought that was just genius. I, and I don't know if that came from the script writer. I can't remember if it, if it was a storyboard artist. In this case, Chris Williams always had the best funny ideas as a storyboard artist. So I don't know if it was him or if it was um, David Reynolds who did a lot of the script. Um, I can't remember who came up with that idea. But just them, you know, instead of just expository talk, dialogue, you know, to see them <laughs> making plans, but also 
Kronk is really getting involved with the jump rope with the kids. So perfect. <laughs> Double Dutch. So perfect. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, they did a really good job of like bringing the family in on that one. Oh um, yeah. Because even I, I saw in the film, they were just like, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not really a fan of this family. Can we just have them single? No, single men are not interesting. We must have a family. Okay. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Single men are not interesting. And in a shocking turn of events, we don't know about Cusco, but there's actually a complete, um, you know, there's actually a complete family where there's no like orphans involved in, in an animated film from yeah. that era. And, um, and so I thought that was interesting. Although we don't know anything about Cusco's um, parents. Well, or do we? There's he, like sequels yes. inside stuff, right? Uh, I did I mean, not watch the, the sequel of Kronk's yeah, New Groove. I never watched Kronk's New Groove or it. Emperor's New School. We're, we're bad Disney either. fans. That's all right. I, yeah. I have seen it, but it, it's been a while. I don't like watching the sequels, so. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a canonical purist. Um. I like that. <laughs> I am Rescue's, canonical. Rescuers Down Under was a good sequel. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, but that that also went to that was but that was also animation crew, yeah, that was feature, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was yeah. a feature animation crew, absolutely. What was your favorite sequence to animate? Um, it was probably that Devil and Angel bit. Um, once yeah. that came about, and I saw it in the storyboards, I was like, oh, that will be mine. Oh yes, that will be mine. <laughs> oh yes, it will be mine. <laughs> it will be mine. Um, and I just I knew that I. I knew it was going to be a lot of work because there's, you know, three characters instead of one. And I would have to, you know, some of those shots where, you know, it's a three shot and the, you actually see all of them on his shoulder. Those took some time. And what it meant how was... Much, how much I, time does a sequence like that take? Oh, my gosh. Um, gosh. I mean, it must have taken me two months at least. At least. Maybe two to three. That I was just doing that. The, That's that a good amount of time. Scenes, yeah, yeah, and um, especially I mean, since I, there was only like eight months in the whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the whole production. Know, and, it, <laughs> and that's the that's the hard thing is when you're when you're choosing scenes and the director wants you to do certain ones. Like most supervisors, they want to do the first scene of the character and the last scene, which I did. I did I did that opening bit where uh, where you meet Kronk and and uh, and uh, David Spade's character. Um, character Cusco. What's his name Cusco where he throws the Cusco. the little snack up to him and he's like oh, oh, oh you know and he falls off the pencil and he looks like a yeah good boy looks like a little dolphin yeah I did the, I did that bit you know and then and then kind of sporadically throughout the movie little bits but when I took that big chunk of the devil uh devil and angel crunk I knew that I, it was sacrificing you know doing other stuff it meant that I couldn't spread out quite as much. So, but but at the time there was a group in in uh, Europe, um, in uh, in Paris that was working on Emperor's New Groove. They were the guys that had worked on Tarzan, and because we were behind, because we were really aggressively trying to get this movie done, they they came onto the movie. All these animators from Paris, and uh, so a lot of a Kronk Isma stuff. That whole the whole funeral scene of Kronk. And Isma at the funeral. Well, yeah, get any dinner. Eulogy. Yeah, that that's all. <laughs> uh, it's all Paris. And then the what I think is one of the the more excellent Kronk sequences, and really well done by them. Um, when they're out in the uh, the woods traveling, and Kronk's got that backpack that's carrying Isma. Yeah, that stuff. All that was done in Paris. And I, I the only thing I that's did is one. they would send me um, through fax machine. That's what we had back then. 
Wow. I would, I would, they would fax me drawings, little What's thumbnail a fax drawings. Machine? Yeah, I know. A lot of people are wondering. Um, it's like a, God's oh, like a player of, of a wheel that spins and no, um, but it was, I would get these faxes of, of their drawings, their little thumbnails, and I would go over them and make suggestions and, oh, Kronk wouldn't do that. Or this is a better pose and then send it back to him. But so I had, I had a little hand in all that, but mostly it was driven by some really talented animators in Paris. Wee wee. Wee wee. Well, while we're on the subject subject of Kronk, I um I dug up a little thing from um from my uh my first oh. year in grad school. Uh this was <laughs> a uh, this was um I was taking a facial animation class with the guy that invented facial animation, Frederick Park, and he um had us translate a 2D character into 3D and then animate several expressions and so um, nice. I don't know if y'all can see it playing, but this is my attempt at landing some uh, facial expressions from Kronk. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, yeah, it's all coming together. And that's uh, this is the one where he's. But it's really hard to translate into 3D. Yeah, his yeah. his face. I mean, it's such a graphic film that it's better. It's, done it's graphic. In, in 2D. It's, it's graphic. It's graphic. <laughs> don't show this at home. But yeah, I mean, you probably would have been uh, well suited if you had this at the time. So you can see. <gasps> We're not worthy. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah. Do you get to keep that for every, if you're a supervising animator, do you get to keep that? Like that's yeah, yours? Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. And that's the, that's the privilege that's awesome. and honor of doing, being the supervising animators. You get to keep your maquette at the end of the film. But as a, a as a director, like I was on Milan, you get to keep all the statues, which is even better. Ah. Um, but yeah, so here's the, the cheek is, and uh, this was done by, uh, gosh, I want to say, does it say? I want to say um, uh, Kent Milton did all of our sculptures. It's really dusty up here. Uh, but yeah, his, he had a really good... <clears throat> this helped me a lot when I was first starting to design him. We did drawings and stuff, but to be able to actually turn him and get it like an upshot of him and yeah. stuff like that, this really mm. helps because it's, I could have really used that, actually. Yeah, you would have, <laughs> yeah, you would have loved that because his cheeks are the real difficult thing. They have to be graphic from the side and the three-quarter view. But then, you know, how's it look from the from the front and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's tricky. Real tricky. So Crunk has ridiculous body proportions. Was that a challenge for you animating someone like that? Or had you had experience animating a character like that before? Oh, yeah, it was it was very difficult because like we were talking about with the devil and angel thing. I mean, you know, he had these huge shoulders and whenever and like I had a tiny the, like, waist, you know, whenever he had to like walk <laughs> don't bring honor door, to us all. Yeah, you don't see very much of it, but. Like when he had, when he was like going down the stairs, his his legs were uh, his leg proportion is very small to his upper body, and I was always uh, really battling with that. I didn't want to make him feel like he was so top heavy that he would just like fall over or something. Um, so it took me a while to to gravitate to that. But also, when I first started on Kronk, I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a funny story. Um, I was so nervous because I had, up until that point, I had never drawn a character with hands before um, uh, that was that was a human. Uh, I had done a clock, Cogsworth and Beauty and the Beast. I had done Yago the parrot, so he had these feather kind That's of That's right. And I had done Pumbaa the warthog who had, you know, hooves. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh, man. And luckily it was very stylized, so it was very forgiving in that way. But just mm -hmm. I, I had to do a lot of research in like how to draw a big buff guy. So I got all these muscle magazines early on 
And I, I put a pictures all over. I had like a whole bit of, <laughs> uh, bulletin board of pictures, cutouts of, of muscle magazines and all these guys that are like really pumped and stuff. And, um, and I used that as research. But one day my daughter, who was very young at the time, I think she must have been five. She came to visit daddy for lunch one day. And going into my office, she was like, oh, my gosh. She was like, because they're all like half naked. And so right. she leaves and, and tells her mom, mommy, daddy's got naked men all over his he needs, he needs to take those off his desk. I don't think daddy should have naked men on his desk. <laughs> and I was like, honey, it's just it's just research, really. I'm just, you know, and then I got all this. It's, it's just reference, honey. I literally took him down like the next day. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. Um, I do a little animating um, in town for a game company. And when you're looking at like, you have to look up reference. And so like people will pass by your desk and see you looking up all sorts of weird stuff at that. It's a really funny story. Well, and, and these days, I mean, luckily we we just we didn't have the internet back there, and we, you know, this is 1941. No, um, it was a while ago. And we didn't have you know Google Nate. search and that sort of thing. So it was all about finding books and magazines. I I, I remember studying um, Pumping Iron, which is like the very first uh, right do- documentary on bodybuilding, and it has it stars Arnold starring Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger, dude. Yeah, he gives so, he gives Lou Ferrigno so much crap in that movie. He's hilarious. He does. He, he's really mean and kind of he rude. Is. Very cocky. Very cocky. He's mellowed with with time and pol- politics, I guess. Um, but yeah, I would watch that all the time. But yeah, if you try to do a search these days for you know magnific- <laughs> magnificently strong men, uh, yeah, you'd get you know all kinds of porn. It would be horrible. <laughs> Well, you got that fa- you got that safe search now and a family filter, I think, on on Google. Yeah, that's sometimes true. it works. Sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> oh, there's always something yeah. that passes. Well, we were, we were working on a character last year, and um, the guy who was sculpting the 3D model for the game um, for the character who was female was like, "Yeah, art lead sent me nudes the other day." <laughs> 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 okay, but yeah, um, very cool, man. I love hearing all your stories. I wish I could just pick your brain for like four hours. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. Can't we well, do that? You're not doing anything. He's, he's like, please no. <laughs> this is going to be the biggest live stream ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's epic. Well, I mean, I, I one thing I can't talk enough about when it comes to Emperor's New Groove. Obviously, Patrick Warburton was a huge. He was so great to work with, and I remember going to see him um, record because, as the supervising animator, I the directors always invite the supervising animators to all the recording sessions. So I was there at all the recording sessions with Patrick. And he was such a down-to-earth guy, even though he had done some live action and he was putty and all this kind of stuff. But just, and he still is such a down-to-earth guy. I'm still pretty good friends with him today. Like, he invited me to a Christmas party, like, just this last year, which was really cool at his house. But, um, yeah, he's a good guy. And and I do drawings for him and stuff when he asks. And, you know, even if he doesn't ask, I'll do a cronk for him. <laughs> Here's just like here. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's the, we did a podcast with him, my brother and I, on our Becker yeah. Brothers Animation podcast. And he, he says, he still admits that it's like the best thing he's ever done. The thing that he is probably the proudest of was doing cronk in Emperor's New Groove. And and I think that's cool, you know, when a, when somebody becomes a star and goes off and does other things and... You know, and he's had all kinds of different successes and maybe not so much success, but still, you know, he's up there and and very recognizable. And yet Kronk is the thing that he's probably the most proud of. And it's the thing, it's one of the things I'm the most proud of. And I've done, you know, Pumbaa and 
Mulan and and yet Kronk still has I still have an affinity for him, you know. Godspeed, Kronk. <laughs> Godspeed, Kronk. Maybe that that's like Emperor's New Groove four when they put him in a spaceship and launch him into space. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I said that I should have used another phrase. Where is we like you, Kronk. Yeah. But I really loved um they, we had a really young character designer that joined us on, on Emperor's New Groove. And actually he started on the, the first version with Roger Allers too. Uh, his name was Joe Mosier. And Joe, you'll see him, he's very dominant in the um the the documentary Sweatbox. You see him in the very beginning where he's like, Oh yeah, so right now they're in this meeting and we don't know what's gonna happen. Oh, yeah. And that's Joe Mosier. Um, okay. And Joe was, uh, we did a podcast with Joe recently too. So we talked about Emperor's New Groove. So anybody wants to hear more about Emperor's New Groove can check out that podcast. But um, Joe was uh, a young, young guy. He was only, I want to say he was 19 or 20, maybe 20, uh, 2021 probably. We'll say that when he did Emperor's New Groove. And he had to go over drawings of all these senior animators. And he talks about how he was just very intimidated to you know do all these designs and go over everybody's work but they the director wanted this very unified style so he did these very elaborate model sheets and his um he did a kind of a style guide for emperor's new groove and i still have a copy of it here and it's one of the best style guides that i've ever seen for a disney film because it really goes down he breaks down how he draws the hands with the you know the cut off fingernails and stuff like that and you know his graphic style which is part, you know, Milk Call and part Ronald Searle and, and just kind of him married together in there somewhere um, that really gives this unique style, which is one of the greatest assets, I think, of Emperor's New Groove is how it looks. Yeah. 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 I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> Scary beyond all I'd... reason? Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt like you know, this movie, If it's interesting. You look at, like, the IMDb, where it rates. Like, it kind of, as far as all of the different um, Disney animated movies, there's, like, it kind of, like, goes, it's pretty up high for, you know, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King, and then, you know, kind of tanks for Pocahontas. <laughs> uh, but then it pops back up. <laughs> um, pops back up a little bit. And the thing is, like, Umper's New Groove is probably the highest rated after, um, like Lion King or something. After Pocahontas, it, it's it's the yeah, um, it's the highest rated after that time, and I think everybody just loves it because of all those those strange little things that just make it so. Uh, you, you know that no, nobody is taking themselves seriously in right. this film. Yeah. And so it le lets you not have to take anything seriously. Well, yeah, and, and I think and that's it's... one of the reasons why they like it. Go ahead, Mason. Oh, well, I, I just wanted to explore that a little bit because in the end, like, where do you put Emperor's New Groove and 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 one's ranking of Disney films? Like, does it score high because it's so crazy and comedy-centric? Or can we even compare it to Disney classics that have, I guess, more heart and more, like... That focus more on craftsmanship or more on the story, like like the Lion King. Speaking totally subjectively, um, like should we give it a pass because it's so wacky? Um, I, I when, feel like the, when they I said so like itself, it, the plot by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. I think it's a good question because it, when the movie came out, it did not do well. Unfortunately, it it right. kind of tanked in the box office. I forget what the opening weekend numbers were, but 
it it did not live up to expectations and yet this the staff the crew that worked on it we loved that film we had so much fun and we poured ourselves into it in a short amount of time like i said we were working late hours but loving every minute of it because it was so unique and so different and they just let us go you know and mm-hmm. and for animators for creatives there's nothing better and so we feel like when when it came to marketing it marketing the film though I think the studio didn't know what they had. They didn't know how to really judge this. I remember Mark Dindle and some of the story guys, they created their own trailer for the movie and tried to pitch it. Like, this is how we want you to sell it. And it was this kind of off-the-wall, kind of wacky trailer, just like the movie is. It really captured the tone. And yet, you know, when, when the trailer came out, it was still like the Disney voice going... Walt Disney's 47th animated feature, yeah. The Emperor's New Groove. Come join Cusco, the llama, who wants to be a prince, and bo- or is a prince, but wants to be loved. Don't Walt, we all want love? You know, Walt Disney walks in. This. Here at here at Walt Disney Animation Features, yeah. we've been working on yeah. a new a new comedy for all the family. <laughs> yeah, here in our. And it just didn't, it just didn't it just didn't capture the the tone and so all of us animators and everybody that worked on it we were just so upset when the marketing went out and the trailers the first trailers came out because it we thought nobody's going to get how special and unique this is and sure enough we didn't have the numbers nobody came out out for it and it was at, it was also at a time where you know 2D animation and Disney animation was kind of going down instead of up so People didn't have high expectations of it, and people didn't come out for it. The people, what what's happened later though, like now, mm-hmm. is that it seems to be huge. It seems to be bigger than it's ever been. It has this huge cult following. Oh yeah, that I so many people, just like you guys said, so many people quote the lines. So many people are just in love with this movie now. But at the time, that's why it was kind of one of the things that didn't help us and kind of helped kill two D animation. Because it was kind of that one, and then sweaty bullets, and then blah blah blah, you know. And and <laughs> they just lost the momentum of good movies. But I I think there is one thing story wise that we've always you know I've had discussions with my brother about or other people, and you know a character has to be they say a character really needs to be likable from kind of frame one. It's the save the cat kind of thing if you know that story uh, storybook a lot of people use in Hollywood. It's the idea that uh, a, a main character should have some kind of redeeming value, should should be likable from you know almost the first moment you meet them. There's even if they're kind of a bad guy at first or selfish, you got to have kind of a a glimpse into a good guy deep down that that'll you'll kind of root for. And I don't think Cusco was that character. I think Cusco and and combining that with David Spade, who had this reputation of being you know, funny jerk guy. <laughs> um, it, right. I, I think Cusco never, never grabbed the hearts of the audience like the other Disney characters have in the past. It's what made it unique, but it's also, I think, what what kind of killed it in a way was that Cusco was so selfish. And his turn is not huge in the movie. I mean, Kronk has a bigger turn than Cusco, the main character. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Cusco yeah, discovers true. the power of friendship, and that's pretty much the only thing that saved him from, like, toppling Pacha's village. And yeah. I, it's so interesting because Cusco is hardly redeemable, and, he, and you're right, he doesn't have that glimpse of something that could redeem him. He's, he's pretty much all flaw, all yeah. character flaw. 
And if it weren't for Pacha, who is the who is his foil, I guess plot story speaking, like the sure. whole time, then I think people might get really put off by Kuzco if he wasn't so hilarious and sarcastic. Like I think Kuzco represents the very witty, sarcastic person that we sometimes wish we could all be. Like we right. like we like we have an awkward moment at work and we walk away and then we have this mental scenario where we say something really snarky to them that totally shuts them down <laughs> and you're hero of the day and they throw a parade for you and you go home a hero you know yeah, yeah i think we exactly. all wish we could be kind of uh, as as witty and awesome as kuzco but he's 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 terrible <laughs> he's such a jerk in the movie and he doesn't stop being a jerk until the last second exactly and but i think what you just hit on uh mason which is his sarcasm that was not a really popular thing to see in characters back then when this movie first came out. And I think it's become more popular. I think sarcastic yeah. comedy and things like that and that kind of biting wit is more popular now uh, with your generation probably than mm-hmm. the generation that came before that that would have seen this in the theaters. And certainly for parents, they didn't want their kids seeing sarcastic characters or idolizing those kind of that kind of attitude. That's true. Well, him and Pacha make a great dynamic, a great relationship. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. I I remember when I went and saw this. I saw this. I was with my sister and her kids, and they were probably about oh under ten for sure. Um, and I just remember I remember liking it, and I remember they liking it. But I'm not sure if my sis, older sister liked it though. And yeah. so she would have been like the that one, you know, a little bit older. She's uh, we're 13 years apart, so there is a difference. Um, oh wow. But it's, yeah, I, I can see exactly what you're what you're saying with that. Yeah, I mean, he threw a he had a guy thrown out the window. Well, it wasn't the first time. <laughs> it won't be the last. <laughs> it won't be the first. It's not the first, and it's not the last. Poor Piglet. I'm a, I'm a rascal. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I've uh, that I've thought about often, though, over the years, and I'd love to hear. If not that, you know, what's your opinion? Why do you, Why do you think it didn't do uh, well in the box office? Emperor's New Groove, why it didn't? Um, yeah, it probably was the marketing. It probably was, and I'm and I'm looking at a graph right here. It's, it has like all of the um, U.S. gross in millions of like all of the Disney movies when they came out, and um, you know it's it bumps way way up with Tarzan and then comes down for Emperor's New Groove, but IMDb is like it pulls it a little bit down from the much hire Mulan and then pops up for Emperor's New Groove for Tarzan. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see that um, that correlation there, like as to why did Tarzan do much better theatrically, um, but it still wasn't as liked as Emperor's New Groove. It's, it's a conundrum. I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, the VHS sales maybe. Yeah. I think it was one of those that you had to watch over multiple times to be able to really you know the little kids are like it more than the adults maybe i don't know and i think at that time too uh what you just hit on i think is is pretty correct too chelsea and there's there's never one reason right i mean we could right. we could say that that all of these things played against the success of emperor's new groove and its original release but also i think the the fact that it wasn't a musical and it wasn't it wasn't a girl's film it was it was definitely more of a boys' film with the sense of humor and the main characters all being male. Um, that I think girls had a harder time mm-hmm. getting their heads around it. It wasn't romanticized. There wasn't much of a love interest yeah. at all. 
you know. Hardly any Tarzan female characters. Tarzan did have the love interest. Oh, yeah, and Tarzan had Phil Collins. It had these beautiful songs. Right. And, and it, was a, it was much more of a traditional Disney film because yeah. of that. Yeah. I think that I think that dinosaur was a more traditional Disney film than The Emperor's New Groove, and it came out the same year. <laughs> and that had a love story. Oh, shudder. I shudder at dinosaur. <laughs> hey, you know it made almost three times the gross that Emperor's New Groove did? Did it? Oh, um, that's humiliating. Yeah. Which brings me to my answer to Tony's question is that I do think it had a lot to do with the come uh the coming up of CG animation. Um, in favor yeah. of that rather than traditional 2D animation. And I right. know that a lot of our uh, an- fellow animation addicts will be like, no, I'll never give up on hand-drawn animation. Well, a lot of people did. Like, c- yeah. your average consumer did. Yeah. And um, and consumer as much as... the a, new, the fresh, the ooh. The new, the fresh, the ooh. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, also, Chicken Run came out that year, so I think a, lot, a bunch of people came out for Mel Gibson. So, yeah. and then and then uh, Monsters Incorporated, uh, Monsters Inc. and Shrek came out in two thousand and one. So it was like it, Emperor's New Groove was like surrounded by CG and and three D effect animation. Um, yeah, it was. <clears throat> I don't know which which you could say. I mean, if it was maybe if it had a different story, or if it had you know a romantic side, or if it had better songs to it, or something that. Maybe it would have gravi- people would have gravitated because it was different because it was two d but for whatever reason it, it like I said before, I think it was one of the films that because it had a downturn economically uh, financially it it kind of put a nail in the coffin for two d soon after that Mm-mm-mm. well, I guess to to kind of round out this discussion and let me let me know if y'all agree with this, I think that Emperor's New Groove and whatever ranking you have in your mind of, of Disney animated film, it has to stand apart and it's, oh, look at that! Oh, that's great! I love that. I love that sequence where he's turning into the llama very slowly and he's like, hey, Krog, yeah. can you, how about those spinach puffs, huh? <laughs> you know, for, those, for those that can no see clue. us, these are actually um, a gift that I got from Nick Ranieri, who's my good friend. He was the supervising animator on Cusco, and he did these for his crew. What they are is uh, Cusco and Cusco Llama. Um, uh, what do you call them? You know, you put a coffee mug on it on the table. Yeah, table. what do you put the coasters? Coasters. These are coasters. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a, well, yeah, I wasn't just role. having a hysterical fit for those of you who are listening to the audio-only version. So you'll have to <laughs> yeah. go back on the video and, and watch, figure out why did Mason freak out at around the 45 minute <laughs> yeah. mark? What? <laughs> oh my gosh. So in, in the end, I think you just have to put it in its own category. I would say it is a cult, cla- Disney cult classic, but then that's where you put the Black Cauldron. So I don't think the two really go together. <laughs> so yeah. I really think the Emperor's New Groove no. just goes in the groove category. Beware right. the groove. It's got its own. Beware the groove. It's got its own groovy area, that's for sure. It does have its own groovy area. But I love the film. I don't know what I'm going to rate it yet. You know we rate the films at the end of each episode, so get ready. Oh, five out of, yeah, out of, out, of, out of five stars or Mickey A. Mouse ears or whatever currency you use for your rankings. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts on the film? I, I did want to... Yeah, I did want to go in a little bit into the music. Ooh. I mean, the fact is... The only song that really holds my mind is Cusco. Ba, 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 da, ba. Oh, that's such a great. Oh, I like it when I you love sing. The fact Come that on, they got, sing some more, Chelsea. 
Um, the lyrics are he's great. He's the sovereign lord of the nation. He's the hippest cat in creation. He's the alpha, or, you know, he's the alpha, the omega, A to Z. Da, da, da. I That's love it. it. Yeah. Uh, the, you know the who's lyrics saying that, right? So who's saying fantastic. that? Yeah, Tom Jones. That Tom like, Jones. What's new, pussycat? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Did they, yeah. Did yeah. they have exactly. his likeness kind of running around in that sequence? Yeah, they did. Well, and he yeah, was dressed as little, Elvis because yeah. he was performed as at vegas right um yeah i i heart all of that and that one was done by sting he did put that together um with other collaborations as well but like that song and then if you look at the the album it's like and the best original and the song that it got an academy award nomination for was for best original song was my funny friend and me right which is the very last song, like after the you know the big dance party, everybody gets in, into the pool and everything, and it goes obligatory to animated the slow, dance party. Yeah, but it just goes into like the super slow R and B remix of a song that we never even saw in the film. You know, I know. I, <laughs> I, I thought that like, was the lamest song too. I we got to bring those back. What? That's like that. I from what I remember though, Sting. I think it was a holdover. I think that funny friend of me song was a holdover from the the first version and they kept they kept that for the credit song because sting liked it so much and he was kind of demanding that but that's funny but they the directors asked for a song to open they they did want to have sting as the score as the song writer and they wanted some sting songs but he had lost all his momentum once they killed like seven Mm -hmm. of his songs he was like i don't know if i even want to work on this i mean you see it in the sweat box he's like i don't even know if i want to do anymore and but they're like, you know, can you, can you, can you please just give us an opening song? So he did that Tom Jones number, which is very unlike Steam. It's not a real Steam. Very Steam. unlike Steam. Yeah, and I think he did it begrudgingly. I don't think he was proud of it. I think that's why, uh, you know, they just put Tom Jones on it. Sting didn't want to sing it. He wasn't going to do that. Ah, uh, can I just say though, I was listening to all of the songs and all of the what what was in um, Kingdom of the Sun, and. I'm just going to be honest and say that I don't think I would have liked it. Yeah. Like you look at Phil Collins and Phil Collins, he's got like his worked with Tarzan sting. Any of the songs that he put in there, like just the melodies that he was doing. And I don't know. I just had a hard time with it. Maybe I'm just not a police fan. Hey, whatever. What? Um, what? I know, <laughs> but you I just, take that I back. Feel like, <laughs> yeah. Pull that, I, pull that I just, over. There's a 911. Uh, the ouch. <laughs> That's it. She's going down. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like none of them really had that. Well, no, the Llama Llama song. Oh, okay. I was a fan of. You like that one? I did like I did like the Llama Llama song. Just because it was the walk the Llama Llama. Um, I felt like that one had a lot more energy and all of the other songs that they showed or previewed were very ethereal, very just kind of like out there. And I just don't think I would have, it would have tagged or hit home with normal, like just everyday audiences and especially kids. I don't think that they would have really appreciated it. I don't think I would have appreciated it at that age. It seemed like all of them would have halted the momentum of the movie, even if it didn't, even if it wasn't this wacky comedy. Yeah, no, and and they really, they were they were made specifically for that old story, not for the right. not for the new one. Right. They they certainly you know wouldn't have worked, and that's why Sting was totally on board when Roger Allers was doing it. He was they he was totally into the vision that Roger had for the movie, but it was a totally different movie. The tone was more serious, mm-hmm. 
It's more of a romance and everything that Steve uh, Sting kind of represents in his music that had yeah. in the tone and the feel of the story. And then we're, you know, record scratch. We're going the other way now. And it's kind of this wacky comedy thing. That was not Sting at all. So the fact that they got one song out of him in the beginning, you know, and it was a great song. Yeah. Really, really great song. <laughs> but she loved it. See, so it worked. I did. I did. So I, I can say that, you know, I do like some Sting songs and I do, but it was just like some of these just didn't fit. Message and I, I felt like me and my funny. Oh yeah. I, Come on. No, of course you like those. Like yeah. there's the standard ones that everybody knows. Everybody likes. Yeah. Turn great. On your red but then like light. as, as a whole, I'm just, I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't feel like much. Why am I explaining myself? <laughs> Chelsea, you're fine. you're fine. Yeah. Well, so they, they should have no, changed gears. I just don't gears. feel like they would have pushed it forward. And they should have got Cindy Lauper to do the music for Emperor's New Groove. They could have had a whole new like sound and stuff. It would have. I don't know. Or who who's the group that did her, her uh, '80s phase or her country phase? Oh, her '80s phase for sure. You know, <laughs> girls just want to have fun, kind of thing. That's more the vibe of Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, very much. Except so. there's no girls in the movie. <laughs> Or, <laughs> there are, but they're in for like two seconds. Yeah, what's the group that did Rock Lobster? I forget. Um, oh, B-52s. Yeah, B-52s. They would have done a great job. We were at the beach. Ooh, uh, everybody had matching towels. <laughs> what's <laughs> right. with the matching towels thing? I don't know. They did a song about oh, yeah. Idaho. Love Shack was yeah. good. Love, Love Shack, Shack would have been on. a great song for the Emperor's New Crew. Yeah. It's like... It's like a different world. Once you start imagining going in that direction with your head, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, okay. I can see okay, that. Okay, yeah, I get it. But that opening song where it. they're introducing Kuzco serves a great purpose of of really representing what Kuzco thinks of himself. How he's very self-celebratory, very self-focused. Right. And um, I suppose I suppose the he gets dragged through the mud like literally and falls on his face so much, so much towards the end of the film. He... Until his and then his narrator self has to teach them the lesson at the end. So it's a hard learned lesson, but he does kind of learn at the end to not be so selfish. But he right. kind of gets his comeuppance, which helps satisfy the audience for how much of a jerk he is at the beginning. But yep, interesting character study. Yep. Huh. And and how about Isma? We should talk about Isma turning into a cat at the end. Was that classic or what? <laughs> is that my voice? Is that my voice? <laughs> I love oh, that. Well. Uh, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? Yes, you're excused. That's Anyone else? Yeah, no, we're yeah. <laughs> no, we're fine. Come on, man. Nobody lives forever. Um, <laughs> He's been turned into an they, octopus. Yeah. They just dive into their death, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody lives forever. Let's go kill ourselves. <laughs> and then seeing them all coming out. I love that that picture of that, that motif of the face, and they all come oh. out the nose. The the, like, the zoom like push out and then the bigger push push out and then the even bigger push out. Yeah. I think at some point there's such a big push out that it goes out into the jungle and there's a and they do this little bit the with monkey. like this naturalistic scene with like a monkey eating. It's like what's with the monkey? Yeah. <laughs> Can we get back to the action, please? <laughs> there's that, so much. You know, I remember seeing those in storyboards. Those first that first monkey scene, and it really set the tone of the comedy. Once we saw that, we're like, "Oh, it's one of those kind of movies." It's it's okay. like Sky. I get it. It's like Skynet has become self-aware, right? You know, <laughs> you know, and, and you, you had characters like talking to the camera. Kronk, you know, at certain points talks to the cameras and stuff. Breaks the third wall. That whole thing that that had never been done in a Disney feature. It made it really unique. 
How did y'all feel about yeah. that? Was there a, was there a commotion in in the studio, or did what was it a breath of fresh air? What was it like? No, most most of the crew was like all over it. They loved it. I mean, it was because it was so unique and different. People were like, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. You know, I can't, I, I can't believe this is. They're letting us do this, but like <laughs> I said, us do we're it. getting away with it. They, they couldn't <laughs> do stop it fast it. before they stop right, us. We did, and that, that's why we cranked it out in eight months. I mean, they couldn't stop us. We had to get it done. Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't want to take too much of your time, Tony, but we do have a few questions from sure. chat. So, um, just give us the signal when you're sick of hearing of hearing from us and talking with us and then we'll we'll start wrapping up okay and uh <laughs> so yeah uh this one's from charmy sketches on the uh com slash life can mr bancroft talk a, a bit about how he was working with david spade i wouldn't know i didn't work with david spade i worked with patrick warburton so um you know i heard his recordings and and my buddy nick who did work with david spade uh on cusco he would tell me stories and stuff, but I think overall David was, he was into it and he's, and, and I've heard David Spade say the same as Patrick Warburton, that he looks back at doing the voice for Cusco as a good thing, you know, in his career. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's see. Um, ah, um, Haley Mullins from Rose Copers chat says, was there uh, any collaboration uh, between y'all and Florida or California and Florida during Emperor's new group? When did they shut down? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, the Florida studio was still going, but, um, uh, we did this all in California. I, I started at the Florida studio with my brother and then I left to, um, to go into animation and things like that and, and work in the, the Burbank studio. And so after Mulan, where I went back to Florida for a short time for about a year and a half, two years, then I came back to California and that's when I started working on Emperor's New Groove. But Florida was not involved with Emperor's New Groove at all that I remember. I okay. And uh, this one's from Mark Brown. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Mark Brown. I, I met him um, personally, and I, I just saw him randomly at Universal Studios when I was taking a vacation. I know I wasn't at Disney. Sorry, y'all. Wow. I had to try. I had to try the other side of the tracks. But we did do Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party uh, that week, and it was a blast. <clears throat> did he recognize you, or did you recognize him? He- Mark walked up to me and was like, "Are you Mason Smith?" And I was like, "Who wants to know?" Wow. I was like, "I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me." He was like, "Hey, I'm um, I'm Mark from the Rotoscope." I was like, "What?" And he, I don't think I've ever I had ever seen a photo of his actual face because all of his profile pictures are of Scar from The Lion King. So yeah. I, I, right. I pictured a kind of a kind of a lanky lion, not a lot of meat, you know. <laughs> you know, he's he didn't get the lion's share of brute strength, but uh, he did no. get the brains. But yeah, um, and we we never took a photo. We, I think it was just really awkward. We're like, uh, all right, uh, nice to meet you in IRL in real life. Uh, gotta go, you know. But um, uh, Mark, Mark Brown looks great in person. But anyway, he says, "How did What's you? He how did you, He says, um, "How did you learn about the rotoscopers? How did you, you know about us?" Uh, I don't. I think. Well, you know, when Tom and I started doing the podcast, our own podcast. We'd go to iTunes and see what the competition is. All the other animation podcasts out there. Yeah, and so we're that's, competition. Yeah, we're taking you guys down. No, um, you guys have a lot of great ratings and followers. And, um, you know, we were like, oh, man, these guys are really... I love the name. I mean, off the top, I was like, oh, Rotoscopers. What a Some people name. hate the name. Really? <laughs> Some people really we had well, issues Yeah, I mean, because it, it suggests, uh, you know, like the Don Bluth era of, you know, not really doing animation but tracing and over live action kind of a Ralph I, I, I get that thing. 
I actually think of it more of an old school term for like, I don't know, rotoscoping. I don't know. I still think of it as a real fun in-house animation term. So I liked it anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, that's how we first found out about you guys and did some research on different podcasts and stuff. And I liked what you guys were doing. I like the, the format that you guys have and how to destroy them. And and no offense to you, Mason, <laughs> but it always helps when you have pretty girls on a podcast or on a Absolutely. show. Absolutely. My prettiness can only go so far. I really appreciate Chelsea and Morgan for the for the wonderful clean cut uh, where is women Morgan that they are. these days. I don't know where Morgan is. Where is she? She has she she has a child now. She uh She just oh. had a baby. She just had a she's baby. About to baby. So she's busy. No. She's busy. <laughs> yeah, she's got lots going on. She's busy right now, but um she sends her best. Uh, also, if y'all y'all should check out the Bancroft Brothers podcast. Uh, their most recent one they did. Uh, if you'll forgive me some flattery, they did. Uh, if you like My Little Pony, if you're a brony or um, you're into um, stuff like concept art and stuff, then check out their latest podcast episode sixty three. Congratulations, y'all! J. Scott yeah, Campbell and Tanya Lahu, I guess is how you say the name. Tanya, Tanya. We we Tanya. talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, Tanya. Tanya. All right. Well, yeah. check out definitely check out their stuff, y'all, and uh, show them some support. And I think we have one, time for maybe one more question. I guess Chelsea, do you want to you want to get this one? I can't see it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't. Let's see. Ooh, it is up to me to decide the final question. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, here's a good one. This one's from David K on the YouTube chat. Tony, if there was a third movie for Emperor's New Groove, would do you have any ideas for the title? <laughs> Um, we already talked about launching Kronk into space. Godspeed, Kronk. Uh, maybe, I, I, I they, know, I they, thought... they clone him in the third one, and so they send evil Kronk out into yeah. space <laughs> to find his, his parents. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the Emperor is still groovy, or the Emperor grooves on, maybe. Oh, the groove, groove lives on. on. May the groove be with you. Yeah, the groove lives on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, at this point, you got to have groove in there somehow. That's true. Like Mm -hmm. it's so associated. Even though that's such a '60s. Like when they first told us the title, nobody liked it. We were all like, "What? What? Nobody likes to groove." Because groove was such a (laughs) '60s, like groovy, such a '60s term. We felt like, you know, is there going to be anybody that connects with that that term? I loved the the quote though. You throw out my groove, like that is one that everybody pulls out, like. I'm That's sorry, but you've thrown off the Emperor's groove. Right. I'm sorry. It could have been Mojo, I guess. Oh, so, someone <laughs> suggested uh, Yzma's new groove. Maybe go a little more into her. Her tragic backstory of how she became a villainess. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's that where good. you get the villain song for her. And then you make it a gritty yeah, live-action CGI reboot. <laughs> and, uh, how many, do, how do you tell how many people are actually on listening to us right now? Or well, right this? right now on, um, I have the dashboard here. We have 16 viewers on YouTube, and then I don't know how many are watching live from um, from the actual. It would be they would at one point we had like show up on yeah YouTube at one point though. we had like 25 or something millions, but but yeah. more than my brother billions more than my brother though right when he was on right yeah okay for that's sure. all I care about <laughs> very good. Uh, yes. Well, Tony, uh, we're going to launch into... Oh, okay, real quick. And I want to know how Tony does this. Um, out of five stars, what would you rate Emperor's New Group? This is important. This is where it all counts. This is where it all comes um, down. Because the story was not 
as stellar as I think it could have been structurally. I'm going to go four stars. Ooh, four stars. You can go into point fives and occasionally point two fives, but we tend to stray away from those. That's All crazy right, so talk. Four solid stars. I know we had someone actually give a point, a multiple of a quarter star once on the show, and uh, it was bad. She was blackmailed. Yeah, uh, she was yeah. blackballed. It's like making decisions. Blacklisted. Blacklisted. I'm like, there's some type of black in there. All right. <laughs> All right, You're Chelsea. So racist. <laughs> Not the first time we've been called that. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> oh, see, no, nobody knows behind the scenes. But sometimes we get really rude um, feedback for the show. But I'm sure everyone does when you know. Oh yeah, we never have the Baker brothers, but I, I can understand. Oh yeah. That. Well, I understand you guys. You you would never. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I was looking up on iTunes and somebody like because I didn't know what where wayfinding or way fairing was yeah um they're like you lost a listener <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> oh so sorry. speaking of racist that was a so literal harsh. grammar nazi <laughs> <laughs> like that is so harsh mm. <laughs> all right what's For your me, i'm gonna Ouch. give it yeah um i will also uh, i'm going back and forth between four and four and a half I almost want to do four and a half just for nostalgia and wackiness. Yes. I'm in fact, I'm just going to do that four and a half for wackiness. Nice. Uh, four stars. This one is, uh, this one is brilliant, but, um, I don't know if Tony knows this, but I give a five star, a five star rating is where the lion King is and maybe one or two other films. But as far as 2d hand drawn animation, the lion King is the perfect, uh, 2d hand drawn animated film in my opinion. And so I put it there up on five stars. So whenever I compare, yeah, do you see this motion I'm making? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it fits right in there. Yeah, then you got to blow in the cartridge and, and let it let it connect. It's just like an old Nintendo. Um, <laughs> so Emperor's New Groove is a little bit below it because um, uh, the it's like Kronk said, the plot by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. And so, um, but I love the artwork on it. I love the style and I love the comedy. So there's no shame in being a four star film on the rotoscopers. Absolutely. No. All right. I agree. We're going to start launching into voicemails. How many launch, how many voicemails do we have, Chelsea? I have 3 voicemails right now. Okay. Um and so Tony, if, if we're taking up too much time then uh we can see gotta, you off now one, and do logistics. I got to go. Later. I actually yeah, I probably got to go. All right, Tony, thank you so much for being on the show. We love you. And I'm sure I would love your yeah, brother Tom, thank you but so not much. as much as well, you thanks. I guess. Hey, we'll do a crossover. Tom, Maybe we'll both- We'll have all three of you guys, uh, all the rotoscopers on the Bankraft Brothers, and maybe Whoa. we'll do like a five oh, people. That'd be great. Five people on one podcast. The technical difficulties are going to kill us. Yeah, Chelsea <laughs> will have to go to somebody's house that has better Wi-Fi, though. <laughs> I will most definitely go have to the to library. You'll be in the library. All right, guys, thank you yes. so much for having me. It's been fun talking See about it. Thanks, thank Tony, you, Tony. But thank you. Okay, I have time. Ta- I'm sorry. <laughs> You're racist. Just, said, just get out of here. Jeez. Just get out of here, Tony. Just abort. Abort. Eject. All right. Tony. See you guys. I'm sorry. Bye. Oh, poor Chelsea. Oh, just... Poor me. I always get the short end on these things. There's our title for the episode. Just kidding. <laughs> Who would do that? Oh, man. We are very grateful that Mason is back. He is known as the funny one, and I Please. am poor Chelsea. <laughs> and Chelsea is the ra- I don't know. I can't even say it. It's so weird.
voicemail playing right now. We're just gonna run with it. Sorry, this is Alex. Ha! Boom, baby. This is Alex calling in to give my review of The Emperor's New Groove. This is honestly one of my favorite Disney films. I know it's not the most bold or ambitious, but it's definitely one of their funniest, right up there with Aladdin. It's also one of the most quotable. I know that you three have quoted this movie several times on the podcast, and I think that it ranks among Aladdin, Hercules, and Tangle as one of the most quotable Disney movies. I feel like this is one of those Disney movies that were a disappointment at the box office but experienced newfound popularity on home video. This is similar to Hercules and Treasure Planet to an extent. Um, and My favorite thing about this movie is the characters. There's not a single character in this movie that I don't absolutely love. And a lot of that is due to the top-notch voice cast, which I think is among the best that Disney has ever I also think that the score for this movie is underrated. Um, In my opinion, ranks among the best scores for a Disney movie. So overall, I give it four and a half stars. Keep up with good work and cronk Cronk out. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that's awesome. Hebrew, I, I forgot the name of the caller because I th- I think the beginning cut Alex. off. Alex, Alex, yeah, thank, sorry. Thank you so much. I was for like, your, uh, let's just let's just cut out from talking about Chelsea again and her. <laughs> she took she labels. took control of the conversation real quick. There. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's like, on. no one's gonna do that to me again on the podcast. <laughs> I'm in control. <laughs> Chelsea's darker uh. side tonight on podcast expose. So. He brings up a great point. Do you think that can you name a better a better and more well to put together voice cast for a Disney film than the Emperor's New Groove? Because I think it it ranks pretty high up there. It really does rank very high up there. Um, that's that would be hard for me to to de- definitively say right now. I'd have to really go in to look at that. Uh, but it is a great crowd, and I was I was great with them. I did hear some. F- feedback from some people who are just like they just in general don't like david spade and um i don't have such i don't have nothing against david spade i think i've loved lots of movies that he's been in so i have i'm a cool personally Um, i'm cool with him he's always been cool with me yeah (laughs) we're we're cool (laughs) um so yeah i think yeah i can't give a definitive answer but top notch i love it yeah, I, I really like the voice cast for Emperor's New Groove because they, they really own their characters. Like, let's just face it, Cusco is basically like a dark-haired David Spade. And yeah, um, and then John Goodman really brings his kind of heartwarming kind of vibe to it. And um, guy doing Kronk and um, whoever's doing Yzma. Um, gosh, I'm totally blanking. But anyway, the, the, entire, yeah. <laughs> the entire voice cast is, is really good. That's a real thinker, though, finding a better one. Because for a while, like the, the you get into the golden age and like pre-Renaissance stuff, like there's some there's a lot of lesser known voice casts. Like like Dis- right. Disney really held off on the on the big Hollywood names for their films uh, for a while. Eartha Kit, thank you, Ernesto. And um, but man, I don't know. Zootopia had good voices. I really Zootopia, like. Yeah, I really love Jason Bateman in in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the perfect um, 
Nick. Nick. Oh, Nick Wilde. That's Nick. right. I was about to say Sly Nick Cooper. Wilde and Judy Hopps. Yeah, and Judy it just, Hopps. It, it really worked out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, second voicemail, please. All right. Our next one is from Jack Song. Jack Song could take you on. Jack Song could take on you. Hey, Rotoscopus. This is Jack calling in about the Emperor's New Groove. And I got to say, I love this movie. It's impossible to hate for me. How can anyone hate this movie? It is quotable. It is like Disney's most quotable movie. I can just quote quote all day about this. So how do you remind me you're related to Pacha? Why, I'm his third cousin's brother's wife, Stepney's great aunt, twice removed. Wrong lever. Why do we even have that lever? For the last time, sir, we did not order a trampoline. <laughs> That's right. Trampoline. Also a great one. I can go on and on about this movie. Every time I watch it, just brings a smile to my face. Are the characters memorable? Maybe Yzma and Krunk are, and maybe Kuzco and Pacha aren't as memorable. But it's kind of forgiven because it is a da- dynamic comedy duo, which I do enjoy. But what else can I say about it? I mean, I would probably give it four stars objectively, but it gets that nice five star for me because it has that because one star for nostalgia, baby. I love it. I hope you guys have a great time with this movie as much as I do when I ever I watch at least once or twice a year. So, Roscopers, take care and I take care and keep up the great work. Jack Song can Jack take song. you on. Jack Song can take on anyone. <laughs> Thank you, Jack Song. Yeah, I um right. like who who doesn't like it? I can't think. I I know that there was there was someone who someone in the Rotoscopers Patreon group. We we have a, a Patreon exclusive only uh, Facebook group. Said that they do. said that they didn't like it. I'll try to find it while you. Uh, it was because cue up the next. I one. think it, he was the one that said because he didn't like David Spade. Really? Yeah. But anyway, this one is from Jeremiah. Hello, Rotoscopers. It's Jeremiah calling about the Emperor's New Grove. This is a long-awaited episode, of course. And this is possibly the most quotable comedy ever made, because, as witnessed by everyone, quotes it. If you are a Disney nerd, you have to quote this movie. You have no choice. You have no free will on the subject. Actually, I was literally a few weeks ago at college, and uh, Carolyn, a friend of mine, pressed the button for the crosswalk and said, pull the lever, Kronk. To which, of course, I responded, wrong lever! And, and a third party was happy to add, why do we even have that lever? And, of course, that got my morning off to a perfect start, possibly the best morning of the year. Uh, I am absolutely excited, by the way, that you have a special guest, Tom Bancroft. Hello, sir. I am just a little fan, but I think you're amazing. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, what was it like helping animate Kronk? What was it like trying to work with somebody who's so bulky? Was that a challenge, or did it free you up, actually, working with somebody who's so cartoony? And also, oh, uh, what do you think makes Disney special? All right. That is all, Rotoscoper. Thank you for... A great year. Happy, I think, fourth anniversary? Yes, I think, maybe. I don't know. I've only been with you four years since January, but it's been a fantastic ride, and I've loved all your stuff. All right, see you guys. Thank you, Jeremiah. Wild ride indeed. <laughs> I, I loved that. I Anytime that 
a th- random third party can join in on a Disney quote, like continual quote, makes my life happy. That that is awesome. <gasps> so thank you for sharing that wonderful experience. <laughs> and Mason, what makes Disney special? What makes Disney special? Oh gosh, aren't there like books read written about that? Why do y'all want to hear my opinion on it? So uh, Disney uh, brought an element of magic to filmmaking through their animation and through their storytelling, um, through the art form, and they um, they were the pioneers of feature film. They were pioneers of feature film animation, but they were the pioneers that did it the most effectively from a business and from an art standpoint. That's not to say that objectively they are the greatest and that they will always dominate and that you cannot love any other studios, but um, historically they, they have been on top. And so um, I would say um, I am happy that other studios and other places have had an opportunity to kind of rise up and gain popularity and, um, and stuff. But uh, Disney will always have this magical component to it and um like developing that and capturing that and stuff is is really what disney is all about very happy to have tony on the show and that he had all those experiences with disney animation yeah for sure actually i speaking of other studios we didn't really do a, a great job of introducing him as far as like the other things that he has going on as well. So after Disney, he went on and he's done so many other things. He is now a producer and um, co-director. I think he's just producer of a new movie that will be coming out later on this year. Uh, end of It's called Animal Crackers. And I did a, a brief run of some of the voice cast that's going to be on that one. And you were talking about like awesome voice cast. That one has an awesome voice cast. So I'm really excited to see some of the other things that are coming out, whether or not they have, and most of the time it comes out of more indie situations. I think Disney in this situation, they kind of turned themselves into an indie studio (laughs) just because they didn't put so much rules and regulations on what the story had to be because they had so much so little time they just had to put something out there and um so i'm excited to see some of those different things especially animal crackers which is going to become well it doesn't have a release date he said but sometime in 17 so that'll be fun very good sometime in 2017 mason i'm so glad you were here today oh shucks it's been a while hasn't it was it been like two months Something like that, yeah. Y'all. It's been a while. <laughs> we were trying to ship out a, a, a game, and we got it shipped out this week. It's a, it's an educational game that teaches calculus, and uh, it's being marketed directly to, to educators, and, and I think eventually it'll be for... Well, right right now, it's it's for use at universities and places of learning, and um, real proud of my work. There's a trailer out on, on Facebook. Um, I'll, I'll send you all a link or something, but... Um, we'll post a link. <laughs> yeah, we finished the game, and it, it was a um, wild ride for me. But uh, the schedule got pretty hairy, and then I was trying to cancel. Uh, I was trying to um, complete the semester uh, in one piece, and so sometimes you gotta you gotta let life um, take the reins, and your side hustles get kind of put to the side because they're side hustles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's glad- I'm glad to be back. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for holding down the fort while uh, Morgan has been inexcusably absent. Inexcusable. I can't even. Can't even. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Jeremiah mentioned our anniversary, but he was a year off. We are about to hit our five-year anniversary mark. Five years. Remember how Rocky Five was the best Rocky? Yeah, it's going to be like that. (laughs) It's going to be like that. So um, that is going to be on, I think we're going to be doing uh, something cool on February 6th. Um, That will be our five-year mark. I'm not exactly, we haven't decided what we're doing. If you have any ideas, let us know, but (laughs) we haven't decided. We do know that we did for our fifth year, we have cut t-shirts. So if you want a t-shirt, they are one dollar. We've been cutting them with scissors. They're, (laughs) you can't cut them any more than we've cut them. They're one dollar and you basically, we, this over, we did this promotion starting, um, New Year's Eve, and we're we're holding it out basically until they're gone, and they're gone. And so we have, ooh, we had about fifty orders come through in the last couple of days for those, and so we've got less than a hundred, maybe fifty or so ish left. If you want to be cool like me, <laughs> if you want to be one of the cool Definitely. kids, you got to wear this. Go to rotoscopers.com slash store to get yours. And honest, when they're gone, they are gone. Like, gone. They go in the vault <laughs> so, forever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're gone. We'll not be making that shirt again. So definitely get get it. You're going to want it. And also, yeah, I'm also going to be doing kind of a meetup-ish. Mason went to, went to Disneyland, no, Universal. And didn't tell anybody, but I'm going to be nice and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to California and I'm going to tell people if you are anywhere close to Anaheim, I will be doing a meetup at Downtown Disney on February 10th. So Friday, February 10th. Um, haven't decided exactly what we're doing, but it will be Downtown Disney somewhere in that midst and we'll be doing something awesome. So you guys should definitely let us know if you want any more information about that. I would like to get to, I would like to know like how many people would actually show up. So go ahead and send, um, and send an email to contact at rotoscopers.com and say, Hey, I legitimately would be there. And I will take that into consideration when deciding what and why and where and how and what all those fun details. Then, um, for any show notes and any notes at all, you go to rotoscopers.com slash 138. We are, this is, our 138th episode. Holy cow. That's a lot of episodes, people. <laughs> We're long in the tooth. We're like Billy Joe Shaver in here. Yeah, yeah. I think our I think number 140 is going to be our five year. So that's looks like that's how it's working out. Anyway, um, if you're going to be talking about this on Twitter, make sure to use the hashtag AnimAddicts138. Um, make sure to follow Tony. You can follow him at PumbaGuy1 on Twitter. He's fun to follow. Both he and Tom are fun to follow. And you should definitely check out their podcast. I am a follower. I listen to it regularly. You should too. Um, how can they do voicemails? Oh, yeah. They do, well, you can, you can do the voicemails by going to rotoscopers.com slash voicemail. It'll take you to like a little speak pipe applet. Or you can call 406-646-6575. That's 406-646-6575. And if you want to support the show and be a cool patron, uh, a Patreon subscriber, like like a true Rotoscopers elite, uh, then you can learn more about that on rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. And um, go and get your shirts, rotoscopers.com slash store, before they're gone forever. 
forever. Make, make sure to describe uh, to us on iTunes. We get a lot of feedback on iTunes, so please leave your uh, reviews of the show on iTunes. We really appreciate any feedback that y'all can give us. And yeah. uh, we're also on. Are we still on Hypeable and Animated Views? Yeah, we should. We should. Don't have yeah. any reason to not be. And you can find us on all your social media outlets with which rule your life and don't give you any kind of sense of freedom. But, um, <laughs> but you, but you, I know it's sad. I haven't gone on my Twitter it's rant true. yet, but, uh, anyway. And then, uh, oh, we never did our newsletter. But yeah, you can check out Morgan Straddling at Morgan Straddling on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and uh, Chelsea, at Chelsea Robson on Twitter. She also has a website, ChelseaRobson.com. You can sample her her latest music that she's peddling. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it's got a g- picture of a great couch on there, too. Really? I want to check that out. And um, I'm a. <laughs> At, I'm a little more complicated as usual. I'm at Mason SMTX on Instagram. That's that's normally what I do. And I have a I have a portfolio site. It used to be Mason Smith Portfolio, but I refuse to pay their stupid fee to take off the ads. So if you just look for Mason Smith Animator Animator Portfolio, you can find me there. And then I have a blog, thisanimatedlife.com. That's where I put all my school stuff. And I'm I'm kind of getting into dot blogspot.com. Dot blogspot.com. That's right. Thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com. And that's where I put my school stuff. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to contribute to it because I'm still I'm doing um, probably directed studies and research these last two semesters. But hey, um, so anyway, ChelseaRobson.com. <laughs> what do we got here? Taking a while to load, Chelsea. Added a couple new. What? Taking a while to load here. Better look at uh, your bandwidth. Look. Oh, look! It's you on a yeah, fancy couch. Yes, it's a good quote. Okay, quote, dreams don't just happen, you make them happen. That's a quote from Chelsea, I'm I'm assuming. Or Nelson Mandela, it sounds like something he would say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, check it out, y'all. But anyway, um, we're so happy that you guys joined us. We still have 16 viewers and I'm just rambling on. (laughs) (laughs) Next, I will recite... Next, I will recite crazy court transcripts (laughs) in the voice of Goofy and Pegleg Pete. Oh, Please do. This was a kangaroo Please. court, you see. <laughs> oh, my friends, thank you so much for joining us on this yet another fantastic episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. You are what make this a really fun evening for all of us. So thank you for joining us. It's been grand. It's been grand. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers.